way. Money, money, money. That big jackpot there. I think maybe I'd stay anonymous, too. <laughs> you don't know what you're... Who's going to be after your money when you uh, win a jackpot like that? Good morning. It is cold outside. Eric Carpenter here. This is KCVL, KCRK. Nine degrees here at the radio station. Very cold wind chill. It's actual nine degrees. Throw in a 10 mile an hour wind out of the northeast. Way below zero. Wind chills all day long going to be down below zero. Like the wind chill advisory in effect on through Friday. The coldest wind chill readings are going to be today and tomorrow morning. Now, with the wind, any exposed skin can become quickly frostbitten or frozen. The cold wind chills could cause frostbite on exposed skin as little as 30 minutes. So, use caution. If you're going to be traveling, you're going to be outside, wear appropriate clothing, a hat, gloves. Also, if you can, keep your pets indoors. If they are outside, make sure they have fresh water that is not frozen. But uh, that windshield advisory on through tomorrow is very cold. Cold, February 23rd. Experience, technology, satisfaction, a written warranty, and over 30 years experience. That's what makes Davis Auto Rebuild stand out from the rest. At Davis Auto Rebuild, customers are our number one priority, and we realize how difficult it is to be without your vehicle. So we make it easier for you with loaner and rental cars, and also help with your insurance claims. Call Davis Auto Rebuild at 684-3137 or stop in at 1175 South Main in Colville and see the Davis Auto Rebuild difference. All right, this is one that really points out how out of touch the legislature in Washington is. You know, previously, uh, once earlier this month and the previous month, I've talked about how employment with public schools has continued to skyrocket, but it is not employment of teachers. It's administrators that are ballooning the budgets of public schools. Well, the legislation being proposed, it actually has passed the House already. And I think it is going to pass. Legislation will require Washington high schools to notify all parents every quarter prior to the enrollment period for dual credit courses. Now, what this is, this is to let parents know what their students' options are. These dual credit courses 
allows students to earn transferable college credits while still in high school. And the lawmaker says it's going to save money. And what is it going to do? Well, let's throw in a few more administrative people in the high schools so they can do this study and notify every parent every quarter for these dual credit courses. Uh, Representative Dave Paul, he's from Oak Harbor. He's the uh, Democratic prime sponsor of this uh, bill. It has passed the House. It is now awaiting Senate action. It is just one more layer of administrative duties being piled on the public schools. Instead of teaching, instead of educating, we're going to pile on more, so we've got to have some more people to make sure the parents are notified every quarter of what dual credit courses are available for their student. Uh, let's hear from uh, Representative Dave Paul uh, explaining why this is such a good deal. Hundreds of thousands of Washington students have earned college credits while still in high school through the state's dual credit program, but hundreds of thousands more haven't taken advantage of the opportunity. Lawmakers in Olympia hope to close that gap. Representative Dave Paul introduced legislation in the current session that would call on schools to notify parents every semester before the dual credit registration period and let them know what their students' options are. Here's Paul. We've got great programs in our K-12 schools to help connect students to family wage jobs and to help students earn college credit while they're still in high school. Students who have earned some credits in high school are able to graduate from college on time with less student debt. And they also have an idea of what they want to do in college by taking a few classes in high school that help get them on that college path. The problem is not all families know what these options are. Paul, a Democrat from Oak Harbor and a longtime educator, serves on the faculty at Skagit Valley College when not in Olympia. His HB 1146 was okayed on a 96-0 vote in the House and now awaits consideration in the Senate. In Olympia, Dan Frizzell. All right, there you have it. Uh, instead of just going to high school and, uh, you know, being a high school student, uh, we've got to add a few more people to notify parents that you could take other, other classes. So... That's what it has passed the House over in Olympia. It is headed to the Senate. For top-notch customer service and unmatched choices in insurance products, you can depend on the folks at Guide Insurance Services in Colville for home and auto, farm, life, health, personal and business insurance policies. Call for a free quote and take advantage of rates, benefits, and services designed to give you more for your money. Call Guide Insurance Services today at 684-5850 or stop in at the Town Center Building, 298 South Main, Suite 101. All right, Tuesday, the city of Chewila did hold a town hall discussing uh, this uh, Intensive Behavioral Health Facility. Um, 
One of the people in attendance, the school district superintendent for Chihuahua, Jason Perrins. Well, Perrins has concerns about the proximity of the school to this facility and a lack of answers to many of the questions and concerns. It's been about a month or so, maybe even more, that this was brought to our attention. I heard about it, and I called the city. I actually called the owner. It's his sister who owns it, but the gentleman, Kenton Cox. I called him a month ago and tried to have a conversation with him and set up a meeting, but he never followed through with it. So I tried to learn more by talking to him, but he just kind of blew me off and said, no, it's not what you think, and the ship's already sailed, and there's nothing you can do about it, and there's a lot of unknowns. And so it's hard right now because the information isn't there, at least to make a sound judgment. Now, on the website, and there is information about types of behavioral health issues that could be coming here, which I have. If you take those actual documents about the people, but I don't know Quail Hollow or Sycamore Glen, how they refer to these people, but there is some major concern because they have criminal records. And so... I think definitely our society is responsible. There's hospitals out there. If they're trying to get rid of the hospitals, I'm not quite sure what they're trying to do to individuals who have mental health issues that are extreme to the point to where they are a harm to themselves and harm to others. I guess I want to go back to the fountain. I want to know more about where have these people been the last 50, 60 years and why are they now coming to Chihuahua? And why are the service they're currently receiving not working and why is this the answer and i don't have an answer to that but based on what i've heard it sounds like this will be a problem for us so we are literally less than 100 feet from this location from this place and just a block down you've got 300 children and you know you have six seven hundred children within two three blocks of this facility so I think we have a right to be concerned, not knowing what's going in there. And this is a private company. Obviously, they can do what they want. It's a concern. I'm curious about how this got through. That's another question I have. How did this happen? Why were we not consulted, talked about? I think the town hall was a very good meeting, but I think it's a little bit late because they've already started building it. I'm wondering how this got past us or why we were not informed. I don't think there was a law that said that we had to be informed, but I think it seems a little dishonest, you know, whether it is or not. I don't know, but I guess if you follow the law and the law doesn't require you to, are you being dishonest? Well, there's the letter of the law and then there's the spirit of the law. So if I know that I'm bringing in some criminals and I'm going to set them up next to a school, you know, you might want to talk to the schools about that. So those are some things that I question. So I guess I have more questions regarding the matter. If any of these things are true or half of them are true, it's a concern. I can't speak for the city, but based on what I heard, they don't have the infrastructure to support it. I have a lot of questions that no one's able to answer. The owners aren't responding. The owners heard a lot of concerns. And when he gave and spoke, he basically, he didn't account for any of the concerns. He just said, you know, we're going to do our best and we're going to bring in some jobs or maybe in three or four years, you'll see that you know it's not going to be as bad as you think. But he didn't really address the concerns the community have. So that was unfortunate for the situation and unfortunate for him. I can only speak for myself, but I think reason pretty much says that this is probably not good for kids. Legally, you can't put a bar next to a school or you can't sell marijuana store next to a school. And so there's certain laws that protect schools. And in this case, from what my understanding is, there is no law. I think sometimes people go to the law and say, what does the law say? But that doesn't mean we shouldn't make good decisions just because there's not a law. I guess that's one of my concerns 
if I only made decisions based on what the law says, I'd be making, (laughs) I'd be in bad shape. I want to have my kids at recess. And then a guy walks up and starts talking to kids that we don't know. And we don't know anything about them. So if I'm exaggerated or if I'm being ridiculous, then I guess I am. But I think that's a big concern. That's the problem, I think, with this whole situation is no one's talked to us. No one's evaluated the risk factors for kids. And so kids will, again, be victims, I think, in this situation. You know, we're trying to get kids to learn and be smart thinkers and writers. You know, stuff like this happens to a community, so you have to address it. But in short, there's millions of acres out here. And I'm wondering why it has to be next to a school. There's so much land. I look around here. and Why does it have to be next to a school? That part I don't understand. Right now, we're just talking about the unknowns. I mean, we don't know. We're just speculating. But here's what I say. If you don't give us all the information and you leave holes in it, then we're going to fill it with our own imagination. (laughs) So, So... Yeah. All right. There you have it, Superintendent of the Chuila Schools. And I'll tell you what, you know, hats off to Jason uh, Perrin's. uh, He's calling it the way he sees it. Uh, We have repeatedly and will continue to make calls to the mayor in Chuila and the city administrator in Chuila. We have asked for their comments, and at this point, there has been no response. And yes, I think Perrins is right. This is a little, uh, a little late in the game to stop this project. But on the other hand, you are right across the street from the middle and high school. Just a couple blocks up from the grade school. And certainly it is going to be a concern for the uh, Chihuahua schools. And, uh, and we'll see what develops with this in Chihuahua. You know the name Tempur-Pedic. If you have a bad back, you may already own one. The back pain relief is legendary. I have a secret for you. Tempur-Pedic mattress support system also provides a good night's sleep. You don't have to wait for a bad back. You can get a good night's sleep now. Don't take my word for it. Ask somebody who owns one. Come to Sandra's for a seven-minute test rest, and we'll change your life forever. Sandra's Furniture, downtown Caldwell. All right. Uh, the past couple of years, uh, the particularly this last year, the cities, the counties, they got tons of money from the feds, the uh, what they call ARPA funds. Well, uh, Colville Mayor Jack Smith explains what the city has done with their ARPA funds. Also, a little bit about the city police department. One of the things we accomplished was the ability of the city to automatically debit customer accounts for their utility bills. We just started that a few months ago, and that's proved popular and gets more traction each month. We were averaging about 20 new people a month, and we now have about 250 of our customers using that option. I want to talk to you a little about what we did with the ARPA funds. If all of you remember, that was funds that came to municipalities and localities from the American Rescue Plan Act. Well, the city got $1,350,160 in those funds and they had to be expended by 2025. Well, needless to say, we've already done almost expending most of that stuff, but we've used them, the bulk of that money, for capital investments. And some of those things have included things like the HVAC upgrades 
for the city hall, the library building, the parks and rec administrative building, and the pool building. Police radios, $75,000 to upgrade those police radios. The fire department, emergency vehicles, and the police department, emergency vehicles. Those are high-end ticket items, and we figure that is long that's a long-term commitment, so we decided to fund those out of the ARPA funds. Other things we got were tables and equipment replacements for the park, including a new merry-go-round. You'll see that. That'll be going up this, uh, this summer. Final word on the budget is, what do you want to do with the surplus? A couple things you can do. You can put it away for a rainy day. We have a rainy day fund. Automatically, it'll go into the capital facilities fund, which is where it's sitting. But one of the things we were waiting to see how the economy did was if we could get another police officer on the force. This is something the council is going to be discussing over the next month or two. And if we can do that, we have a biennial budget review. So I told you before, we have a two-year budget. That is one option that we could add another officer to the police force. We used to have 12 officers. Now we have 10 total, including the chief and the sergeant there. So adding one person back in there helps with stress, getting times on the job, overtime, all that kind of thing. So we'll see how that goes. Stay tuned for that. The police department consists of the chief of police, a sergeant, and eight commissioned officers, a secretary, and an animal control and parking enforcement officer. That last position remains unfilled. Despite that, recently, thanks to some alert work from our secretary, the department was able to coordinate with the Spokane Humane Society, and we took all of our dogs, eight total dogs, out of our facility, and they were transferred down there which is a good thing because it's tough to take care of these animals when you don't have an animal control officer. So that's a big help while we're searching for somebody to fill that slot. The police department continues to do what it does best. It just completed a drug bust that confiscated one and a half pounds of meth and about 200 fentanyl pills. I don't like even talking about this stuff. I think it's awful, but that's what they got to do. Other places that might not be that big, but for Colville, that was a big bust. They do this kind of thing all the time. We just don't see it. They did get a partial remodel, and that's going on in their building there, helping them with storing their equipment and things. Once again, that's with the help of our carpenter, and that remodel will continue, probably be complete in a couple of years. Our drug dog, Ruby, and her handler, Officer Gorst, were effective in 2022, and their work produced 31 canine affidavits for search warrants, all of which were approved. So I think the big question for the police department, as I alluded to earlier, is how to get another officer on staff, and are we going to do that? See how that goes, and that's one of those things that's up in the air for council to decide. A big project for this year is the Summit Street Reconstruction Project from Minor to East Ivy. That was our big project. Uh, we did some of that work on last year, so if they're up there in summer to prep for that. So that'll take place once the school year closes between June and August. The Wastewater Treatment Facility received an outstanding performance award again this past year for 2021. And they routinely receive these awards, and so they do very well as compared to competition around the state. And they should receive another one for 2022 because they had no violations during this year. There's a new bulk water station at Public Works that'll be ready to go in a few weeks. Unlike the old one, this one will be available for use all year long. It's got a heater in it to keep that thing going. One of the pieces of equipment we picked up that is a big help and it's helping us right now. It's a big broom bear street sweeper. The other two street sweepers we have, this thing has double the capacity of each of those. So we're now twice the capacity we had last year. So it can sweep twice as much and it can also hold more capacity. I think five yards of material. So lastly, Public Works, we survived snowmageddon. I think we had 1.5 times the annual amount of precipitation in one month. 
We lost some experienced workers right at the start when that happened. So we got hammered by the weather, but we're back to 100% on personnel and we gained some good experience. And the organization now with the consolidation of the street and water departments at Public Works is gonna work out very well, I think. There's a lot more central organization and planning that goes in the process. In the old days, there was a lot of, I won't say, well, I will say, kind of like a, that's the way we always did it. There's going to be a more focused look at how we do this stuff in the future. Council's getting involved with an ad hoc committee to try and see if what we need to do to improve our snow removal policies and how we go about that. So if you notice, pothole repair is going pretty well. We have a new hot asphalt trailer, and it's already been out and working. I was out looking for Now, they're out there. We know, that we know they're out there, but I was out looking for them. I'm pretty sure we're ahead of the game from last year on that. And the type of mixes they use now, the ability to use the hot stuff in there will be better off in the long run. So, yes, we're on top of that, and that's, that's looking good. All right, that's the Colville Mayor, Jack Smith. And, uh, yeah, it's always good. And it's, it's nice to hear that they have this hot asphalt uh, availability because uh well now that it's really cold again uh, we're not developing new potholes but uh, as soon as it warms back up and that ground is so soft want to fill those potholes let's head over to olympia john satgas talk with our representative joel kretz the house will be in order this is capital report news and views from washington house republicans and now from olympia thank you mr speaker the republicans of caucus welcome to capital report i'm john satgast my guest is seventh district state representative joel kretz from wakanda thanks for being with us on this program thank you well you recently had a telephone town hall with your seatmates representative jacqueline maycumber and senator shelley short how did that go well it was amazing once again the seventh district came through huge participation a lot of great questions. It was good to hear from folks back home and hear what they've got to think. We had like nearly 2,000 residents participate. And, you know, around here, the other legislators just look at us and go, how does that happen? They don't get numbers anywhere near. So I appreciate folks back home jumping in and letting us know what they think. We've had some talks about the bipartisan riparian legislation in the past on this program that you've been helping to negotiate. So what makes this different from the other riparian bills in past sessions? It's a completely different way of doing business in Olympia. We've got bipartisan participation. We've got two sides that agree on 80, 90% of the issue. The tribes are looking to protect fish habitat. That means clean water, protected and improved riparian areas. These are things that farmers and ranchers want to do too. We all want to see that. Problem is the old model, when they come in and say, you will do this or else, just hasn't worked. It doesn't motivate me to cooperate. It's been a failure. The regulatory regime does not resonate with agriculture and timber. The tribes have kind of given some ground, and so has the agricultural community. They're trying to build relationships, and I think they've got a lot more in common than maybe people would think. Definitely more in common than bureaucrats sitting in Olympia making these decisions, which has been the old way. You know, I think this could be kind of a historic way of doing business. You know, you sit down and talk about, well, what do you want to see, and how can we do it? You know, I'm going to give you one example that we did on our ranch. You know, I was kind of wanting to cut the traffic down in a riparian area, and we did some cross-fencing where I had a better flow and rotation of the grazing animals. But we also put some off-riparian area water tanks in. You know, they're a little bit up the hill. Cows come down. They hit that tank. 95% of the time, they stop there and drink. And 90% of the impact in the riparian area is gone. That's a win-win. You know, they can still go in there if the tank shuts off or they need to get down there, but most of the traffic is on the uplands, and we got a beautiful riparian area. We've got cutoff. Is this thing going to move forward? 
will know imminently, but I think it's coming out in pretty good shape. State Representative Joel Kretz, thanks for being with us on Capital Report, and we want to thank our listeners for being here with us on the program. In Olympia, this has been Capital Report from Washington House Republicans. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. For more information, go to HouseRepublicans.wa.gov. All right, John Satgas talking with uh, Representative Joel Kretz. And one last thing here this hour, a House proposal... It would transition Washington State's gas tax to where you pay per mile. The House Bill, 1832, would establish a voluntary road usage charge program that places a 2.5 cent per mile fee for using public roadways in the state. The drivers could voluntarily participate starting in July of 2025. Now, there is an incentive for electric car owners because they are uh, getting whacked pretty good. If you have a plug-in vehicle, right now your annual license tab is $275 and most of these cars travel you know, 5 6000 miles a year at the most so basically it is still a very unpopular bill don't think it's going to pass uh, John uh, Braun opposing it, Republican out of Lewis County. Uh, they have been they they started they started considering this proposal ten years ago. There has been a state commission studying charging drivers per mile since 2012. So, Jay Inslee said uh, when he's talking about climate-related laws uh, that will charge the state's top polluters fees that go toward road projects, Inslee says a charging per mile funding system is not a policy he is pursuing. Um... We'll see where this goes, but it is still alive over in Olympia, House Bill 1832, and uh, particularly here in eastern Washington because, you know, we got a lot of distance, you know, just to go to Spokane and back um, compared to being able to just drive around uh, Seattle-Tacoma area. So we've got to put miles on. Um on the other hand, this bill would save me a whole lot of money <laughs> because both of my vehicles, I pay $275 a year for uh, my license tabs, and I don't really drive that much anymore. But uh, that's kind of what's still floating around Olympia. A leader in the forest products industry is now offering a free forest health checkup. If you have 10 or more acres of timberland, 
Wagen Brothers Lumber can help you determine if your family's forest is healthy and fire resilient. Schedule your free forest evaluation today by calling Wagen Brothers Lumber at 684-5071. Wagen Brothers Lumber, adding value to the forest for people, products, and the environment. We've got basketball on the radio tonight. It'll be on KCVL, pregame at 7.30, tip-off at 8. The WSU Cougars take on Stanford down at uh, Palo Alto. The uh, final three regular season games tonight, Saturday afternoon at California, and then next Thursday, they take on the Huskies over in Seattle, getting ready for the Pac-12 tournament March 8th to 11th down in Vegas. Wind, cold. A high temperature today, maybe 15 degrees. Don't know if we'll even get there. With the wind chill, we throw that down to like a minus 13. Minus 1 tonight. Plus wind, a little bit warmer tomorrow. 24 the expected high, but still 10 below zero with the wind on Friday. Four degrees the overnight low Friday night, mostly sunny. 29 Saturday, 19 the overnight low. Snow likely Saturday night and Sunday. A high on Sunday, 33 degrees, 14 overnight, 37 the high Monday, 38 on Tuesday, back to 37 Wednesday. This is KCVL, KCRK, 